3: Greeny with Mike Greenberg,
1: the podcast. All right, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Delighted you were there on this Giving Tuesday as we kick off V-Week here at ESPN, which is the most important and best thing we do. We'll talk about that a little bit in this hour. You just heard Christine say that the American soccer team plays this afternoon. I'm looking forward to watching that. It's obviously win and they go on, lose and they come home um, against Iran that's a storyline in and of itself, playing against a nation like that. And then you have the additional factor that the Iranian team knows that it goes through with a draw. So they can play for a scoreless tie, and the Americans have only scored one goal in two games. So this is certainly no cakewalk, but it'll be interesting to watch and see what happens this afternoon. And then we covered, you know, tonight being the second to last, the penultimate rankings in the college football playoff. Looking forward to seeing that. The big question is where does uh, does Alabama – And where do Ohio State, where do those two teams wind up relative to each other? So that's sort of the setting of the stage. Then we got into this conversation. And for those of you just joining us, I'll quickly reset it. Richard Sherman on a podcast said he thinks that Mike White is a franchise quarterback. And I said, look, I would love nothing more than for him to be right. And I have great respect for Richard. But it feels much too soon to say that. And further, I would say the Mike White stories of the world are extremely rare. If Mike White becomes a great quarterback, it will be very much the exception and not the rule. So we focus sometimes on the wrong half of an equation, right? I host the NFL draft at ESPN. No one loves the draft more than I do. I'm consumed by it. I have been, as every Jet fan is, forever. And now I get to do it. So I study all these players and I study the history of it. And we all focus on the fact that 50% of the time when you draft a quarterback in the first round, it doesn't work out. And that's obviously true. Or it is true. What we don't focus on is that the other 50% is just about the whole league. Just about the whole league. The really good quarterbacks (coughs) were first round picks. They very rarely come from nowhere. So Hembo, you put up on my screen, why don't you read them out loud for me and I'll keep track. Uh, What is this? The top What is this I'm looking at?
0: So uh, ESPN's QBR stat dates to 2006. And what I've done is pull the top 15 quarterbacks by that metric over that time period. So
1: the top 15 quarterback over the last, a little less than 20 years, Mm -hmm. right? Seems like a reasonable sample. So you say the name of the quarterback and we'll figure out where they were drafted. All right. Number one is Peyton Manning. All right. He was the first pick in the draft. Number two is Patrick Mahomes. He was a first round pick. Number three is Tom Brady. He obviously was not. Number four is Drew Brees. He was the first pick in the second round. Now, that was the year I remember that draft. That was the year that San Diego took LaDainian Tomlinson, I want to say five overall, and then took Breeze with the first pick of the second round. It, is, it would not be right to say he came from nowhere. Like, everyone knew Drew Brees. Drew Brees was a star at Purdue. He didn't go in the first round because he was small. Mm. Everyone, I mean, his stature has always been a factor. I do not think it would be right to say the Mike White story would be similar to Drew Brees, right? (laughs) Uh, I mean, uh, he's someone we saw coming. So I know he wasn't a first-round pick, but I can't say that was a a stunner. So that's three on the yes side and one on the no. All right, next is Aaron Rodgers. First-round pick. Next is Deshaun Watson. First-round pick. That's five versus one. Seventh is Tony Romo. Right, he was undrafted. That's two. Eighth is Dak Prescott. He was a fourth-round pick, and was, we did not see it coming. That was a surprise. I'm going to put him on the other side. So it's five versus three. Next is Justin Herbert. First-round pick. Tenth is Matt Ryan. First-round pick. Eleventh is Kurt Warner. He, I mean, he was working in a supermarket. I mean, he, you couldn't be further from being a first-round pick than he was. Go ahead. Next is Josh Allen. First-round pick. Then Lamar Jackson. First-round pick. Then Andrew Luck. First pick in the draft. And at 15th. 10-4. Is Russell Wilson. He was not. And Now, Russell Wilson's an interesting one because Russell Wilson, were he to be in the draft today, would be a first-round pick. Russell Wilson, I've had this conversation with Mel a million times. Russell Wilson certainly didn't come from nowhere. We saw him at NC State. We saw him at Wisconsin. But because he's five foot ten, and don't let anyone tell you he's any more than that, I have a picture in my house of me standing back-to-back with Russell Wilson, and I am taller than he is. Um, because he was five foot ten, he was in the same draft with luck who went one and RG three who went two, and Wilson wound up going three. What Mel has told me is that if he was six feet one, that Russell Wilson would have been the first pick in that draft or, or at least second behind luck. Um, I shouldn't have said first because luck would have been first anyway, but Russell, so do we want to put Russell Wilson on the came out of absolutely nowhere side of this ledger? I think I don't. Russell Wilson was not Mike White, right? No one ever heard of Mike White in college. Everyone heard of Russell Wilson. Everyone who follows college football knew him. So even if you don't want to put him on either side of this, sure. Let's say it's 10 that we were not surprised by and 4 that we did. Keep going. That's it. Okay, but so do you so have top any, 15. All right. And, and so can you just open up today's like what are the top QBRs in the NFL right this minute? This season, you mean? Yes. I'm what what are up. the top the top 10 or 12 or 15 QBR is like the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. How many of them have stories like Mike White? The answer is going to be almost none. All right. So at the very top is Tua. Tua, first-round pick. Mahomes. First-round pick. Allen. First-round pick. Jalen Hurts. Second-round pick certainly didn't come out of nowhere. Now, it's a surprise, but we cannot say that Jalen Hurts is Mike White. No. Right? Jalen Hurts was one of the best-known players in college football for multiple years, and almost won the Heisman at Oklahoma, so that's four. Fifth is Geno Smith. He was a second-round pick, and he was I, I, I want to say it was, a, it was a surprise that he wasn't a first-round pick. He certainly didn't come out of nowhere. Yeah, he was, a great he was the second quarterback. quarterback taken in that draft behind E.J. Manuel. Uh, next is Dak Prescott. All right, so he's on the other side. Jacoby Brissett is actually
0: seventh in QBR this season.
1: That's interesting to me. He, he would go on the other side.
0: Then uh, filling out the top
1: ten is Justin Herbert. Yeah, first-round pick. Derek Carr. Very beginning of the second round. Certainly not a surprise. Highly touted. And then Lamar Jackson's 10th. All right. It's the first round pick. So it's eight out of the top 10. So what I'm trying to say is, I know that was a long way to go to get there, but I think it is worth, Nuno, it is worth getting there. and And, and that I'm not suggesting that what we're seeing can't be real, but boy, would it be rare. I mean, incredibly rare for this kid to wind up being a genuinely great quarterback. Now, If we were to go over a lot of those same names and say, how many of them did you see it immediately? How many of them did it take some time? The the particular questions that exist about Zach Wilson are not good questions. They're, They're questions about his makeup. They're questions about his attitude. They're questions about his personality, his entitlement, his want to. It's all of that stuff. The last stuff in the world you want to have. So I'm not in any way saying I don't think we have a problem here. We obviously have a major problem here. But I am saying my reason for not wanting to give up yet is as simple as this is not a story that's been written. Like the tale on Zach Wilson has not been written and the story on Mike White would be a very unusual one, a very uh, abnormal one if he winds up being a great player. Right. Even Dak Prescott was infinitely be- better known and higher touted. He won the fourth round, if I remember correctly. Right. And whoever else who said the other one was. But did
0: any of these... Other quarterbacks that we went through on this leaderboard have any career close to as bad as Zach Wilson
1: early? Like the, like the low for him would be lower than practically all of these guys. Yes. And, 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 and if you're sitting here telling me he's not going to be one of the 15 greatest quarterbacks of all time, I would suggest that's probably right. But if you're telling me he can't be better than Mike White, I'm going to tell you it's too soon to say that. I don't know that he can be, but for me, it is much too soon to say he can. Will
0: Zach Wilson start a game for the Jets this season the rest of
1: the season? I'm going to guess not.
0: You're going to guess not? Yes. Will that be, be because he hasn't rehabilitated himself yeah. subjectively or because White plays I'm going to well. guess
1: because the, the, I, I think it has become evident the team does not like him. The players in there don't like him, and I think he's going to need a lot more time than this when everyone can focus on it to rehabilitate that. The coach keeps calling it a reset. I think he is going to require all of that time to rehabilitate his own <coughs> standing I was on that team.
0: I was surprised that Salah said yesterday that when Zach's ready to roll, he'll roll. Because that suggests that Mike White is just sort of holding, you know, keeping his seat warm. Whereas Mike Tannenbaum, who was here with us in the last hour, said, this is a meritocracy. The best dude should play. And right now, Mike
1: White is by far the best dude. Once again, maybe Robert Salah's finally learning to do what I've been begging him to do for a long time. And that's lie to me. Just tell me things that are beneficial for them to be said out loud. Don't tell me things that are true. <laughs> I need you to win football games. I don't need you to be an honest person. Lie to me. (laughs) That's what I want from my football coaches and pretty much all those people. All right, as we continue, uh, one other NFL coach has an entirely different problem on his hands. And it involves one of the highest profile players in the entire sport who needs a little unsolicited advice and also, I think, is more justified in feeling the way he feels than most people are giving him credit for. It's a very interesting scenario. We'll dive into it next. My name is Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio.
4: I can't do this don't give up thing all by myself. This whole fight, this journey thing is not a solo venture. This is something that requires support.
3: Join the fight against cancer. Go to v.org slash Stuart. All donations benefit the Stuart Scott Cancer Research Fund. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. This is V-Week at ESPN.
2: Time is something that cannot be bought. It cannot be wagered with God. And it is not in endless supply. Time is simply how you live your life. Help continue
3: Jim Valvano's fight against cancer. Visit V.org slash donate. All donations benefit the V Foundation for Cancer Research.
1: (coughs) Uh, These powerful um, and extraordinary speeches that we have heard so many different times at the ESPYs. That, of course, was Craig Sager earlier in the show. You heard from our old friend Stuart Scott. And then, of course, many times from the great Jim Valvano, who started it all with, uh, with his speech at the very first ESPY Awards. And um, you know, Mike and I did that. Uh, did this show? We we used to do a, a day long auction, and Mike and I would always kick it off. And there was nothing that mattered more to either of us than than doing that show and that special. And I have so many memories um, of that and of the experiences that we've had in hospitals and all sorts all over the country um, fighting cancer. It, it's it's the only really meaningful thing I get to do in my life. I I, I have a job that is just generally fun. I sit here and. Hopefully, every now and again, I get you to work with a little bit of a less bad mood. But at the end of the day, I'm not, I'm not curing diseases, and I'm not fighting fires, and I'm not saving people's lives. But maybe today we can. Maybe today we can actually save some people's lives. So if you are able, please give at v.org slash donate. All right, we continue on ESPN Radio with the assembled members of the hashtag crew around me. So one of the things that hopefully you learn as you get older is you get smarter and There are two people, two kinds of aging people, I think, and I try very hard to fall into one definitive subset of them, because no matter how old you are, we've all been at this thing exactly the same way. Some of us have just been at it longer than others. We're all aging at exactly the same rate and exactly the same ways. I've just been doing it longer than you have, Embo, or longer than Nuno or Bubba have been doing it. And so one of the things that I've learned when I first went on Twitter, I signed up for Twitter sometime in 2011. I was one of the sort of holdouts. I didn't really fully understand the power of the medium. And I and I felt like, you know, I've got a TV show and a radio show. Well, my audience doesn't need to hear any more from me. And I subsequently realized that that was a huge mistake. And I needed to be a part of this new thing called Twitter. And so when we announced that I was going on Twitter, my friend Jay Billis sent me a text that said one rule, Greeny, never punch down. And I have remembered that all the way through, so I almost never just randomly look at all the message, uh, the um, uh, what's the word? The uh, the 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 responses that I'm getting, or the what what is the the the, the comments? The, the mentions? Yeah, the, the mentions. Excuse me, that's the word I was looking for. I almost never just hit mentions and see what everyone on planet Earth might want to say to me, because that's a terrible idea. Um. But I would also say that at this particular stage in my life, being a fully formed human being who has been around as long as I have, has done as much stuff as I've done, have the people in my life that matter to me as much as they do, that there's almost nothing you can say to me on Twitter that is really going to impact me. It's not going to shake me to my foundation. Practically nothing I can think of. But when you are 24 or 25 years old, I need to be a person who understands. So, so there are the, the, those people who, get, who are getting older who say things like, oh, why do these kids listen to that stuff? Why do they pay attention to the Twitter? They shouldn't be even reading this stuff. It's way beneath them. Those are old farts. I'm trying very hard not to be an old fart and to understand that to the generations that have always had this form of communication, this is the real world. Like, this didn't exist until I was in my 40s. So I'm very aware that it is just one little tiny subset of all of the feedback that you receive as a human being. But I haven't been receiving it since I was eight years old, as my kids have and as many others have. I mean, Hembo, you're what, 31? 32. 32 years old. So basically, Twitter and Instagram, they've been around your whole life. I mean, as long as you basically can remember, right? Mm-hmm. And the big debate when my kids were little was, at what age do we let them have Instagram? At what age do we let them have this and that? So... If you're Lamar Jackson, and that's what I'm building my way up to saying, while it's very easy for me to sit here and say, man, you're Lamar Jackson, what the hell do you care what Joe Schmo Ravens fan 2694 or whatever it is has to say about you? But that's an old fart thing to say. I get it. Lamar does care. He does care what people are saying to him because this is the universe in which he has always operated. And so he let it get to him the other day. And so, look, there is no defending what he said. He should never have tweeted what he tweeted. And at this point, he has uh, deleted it. And so he knew he shouldn't have tweeted it. And everyone has given some sort of comment on it. So I'll give you mine. I think what's going on with Lamar Jackson right now is really complicated for him. Again, I'm in no way excusing what he tweeted. He should never have done that. Should never let yourself fall into that ridiculous trap. So that was a mistake, period, new paragraph. The new paragraph is the following. I think what Lamar Jackson really wants to say is, man, this team is screwing this up for me. I'm really, really, really good. I have no receivers. The one that I can count on, Mark Andrews dropped a couple of touchdowns last week. I've given my team at least a nine-point lead in every game we've lost this year, and our defense sucks. But Lamar Jackson can't say any of that. He can't say it on Twitter. He can't say it publicly. He would get destroyed if he were to say all that stuff because that would be being a bad teammate, and we get it. But he's the one with everything riding on this year. And so what I think he's looking at, and I'm not trying to suggest he's been perfect, He's had some bad moments this season, but generally speaking, he's by far the best thing that team has going for them. And they are what are they eight and four, seven and whatever they are? They eight and four, They're seven and four, seven and four. <coughs> They're seven and four. He's by far the best thing they have, and he's given them a multi-score lead in every game they've lost. So I think he's saying, "So I'm not going to get the money I think I deserve." Because this team you put around me stinks. That's what I think is going on here. And he can't say it. He just can't say that. He, he would get rightfully criticized as destroyed if he didn't just say, hey, I'm the quarterback. I'm the leader. I got to do it better. This is on me. All the things we said Zach Wilson needs to do. But in the case of Zach Wilson, when they said, do you feel like you're letting your defense down? And he said, no. The reason that was so egregious was because he absolutely should. In this case, the defense is letting him down. His teammates are letting him down. The organization let him down, candidly. They went into the season with one receiver option. Rashad Bateman, a first-round pick of two years ago, who has been nothing but hurt his entire career. What has he shown you? Like, three games? All these flashes. Oh, he could be really good. He never plays. Never plays. Their second-leading receiver is Devin Duvernay. So, I'm not in any way trying to suggest that Lamar Jackson is having the greatest season of his career or that he is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. But he is by far the best thing the Ravens have going for them. And so if he is feeling frustrated that people's general reaction to their season is, man, don't give Lamar his money, I understand why that would make him really, really upset. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, if I'm
0: putting myself in the mind of Lamar Jackson, here's what I've seen. I've seen my defense allow 63 points in the four fourth-quarter games that they've blown in those losses. 63 points in those four fourth-quarter losses. I saw the Arizona Cardinals give Kyler Murray $190 million guaranteed the moment he was eligible. And Kyler Murray could play football 100 years and not accomplish as much as I already have. And I saw Josh Allen get Stephon Diggs. And I saw Jalen Hurts get A.J. Brown. And I saw Tua get Tyreek Hill. I think if... Lamar Jackson really wanted to stay in Baltimore, he probably would have already signed that contract. Now, maybe they just haven't quite offered him what he thinks he's worth. But if I'm looking at my situation there versus all other quarterbacks just like me
1: around the league, I'm not too thrilled with my lot in life. Do you think, Nuno, because I'm starting to hear more and more whispers of this, that Lamar Jackson might wind up playing somewhere besides Baltimore reasonably soon? I don't necessarily mean next year, but sometime not long after that, does that feel like it's becoming a possibility?
4: And I I do believe so, but I believe it on both ends, right? Because the Ravens now, when, within these negotiations, when you didn't want to pay Lamar what he wanted, you can go back to say, hey, this is a reason we don't want to give you the money because we know we have all these holes to fill. But if I'm the Ravens and you, as good as Lamar is, and you look at the landscape of the AFC. Josh Allen. Mahomes. Burrow. Herbert when he actually gets a head coach. Right? Um, do you not have to think to yourself. The market for this guy. Would be beyond ridiculous. It would. Compared to what. What? Russell Wilson get, uh, that Seattle got for Russell Wilson and things of that nature. Why not float out, float Lamar out there and see what you can get? You from mean a trading team? him? Yeah. When you say
1: market, you yes. don't mean his financial market. Correct. You mean trade the, the trade him. market? Correct.
4: You saw what you got for what hmm. Texans got for Deshaun. You saw what uh, Seattle got for uh, Russell Wilson. Would you not consider that? Because if you believe in the system of the Ravens system and replenishing that and Tyler Hunley, whatever you want to do, and and fall back on defense and things of that nature. And how many first-round picks would you get for him? That's I think you have to truly consider that.
1: It, it will be interesting. I hadn't even looked at it from that side of it, but I think all these things are on the table. I think all these things need to be considered. What a busy day. We have so much going on today. We'll continue in just a moment on this really busy day. I have figured out my next job, now that I didn't get the Wisconsin coaching job, and This one I think I'm more than capable of getting.
3: This is V-Week at ESPN.
0: I never imagined that I'd be able to be standing here 20 years after Jimmy V's speech and say that because of all the donations, research, and support, mine is one of the lives that's been saved.
3: Help continue Jim Valvano's fight against cancer. Visit v.org slash donate. All donations benefit the V Foundation for Cancer Research.
2: we know talent visit RobertHalf.com today jimmy
5: my man up there i know in spirit you're up there with Stuart scott watching what we're doing we're thinking about us and i will tell you this jimmy v my man we are not going to stop stop chasing the dream of raising dollars in your dream jimmy's dream was to beat cancer We must do
3: it. Join the fight against cancer. Go to v.org slash donate. 100% of your donation goes to cancer research.
1: We continue on this Giving Tuesday, uh, the kickoff of V Week for us at ESPN. As I've said over and over today, the most important thing we do. And when uh, Dick Vitale had me down there as an honoree at his gala a couple of years ago, I said this, and I'll say it again as you just heard Dick's voice, um, that Dick Vitale has been a role model to people like me and others uh, of, of generations younger than mine, of how to use your success and your celebrity to make a difference in the world. No one does more for the V Foundation than Dick Vitale. And as I said that night, and I will say again right now, that 50 years from now, there may not be anybody who knows Awesome Baby with a capital A, but what there will be is lots and lots of people who are alive because of Dick Vitale. And because of Stuart Scott, and because of Craig Sager, and because of Robin Roberts, and most importantly, because of you, because of all the money you donate uh, on this day and any day that you can to the V Foundation, if my um, endorsement means anything to you at all, I know everyone at the V Foundation. I have been working for them for 20 years or thereabouts. And these are the best people you will ever want to meet. They, This is a a a... a, a A labor of love. And again, they are fully vested. So every penny you donate, if you donate $10 to the V Foundation, that $10 goes directly to a chemistry lab or a biology lab or somewhere I can't even identify at one of these universities where these geniuses are working on the way that might save your life or your mother or father's life or your brother or sister's life or someone else. So if you can help us, we humbly ask you to do so. And proudly, the V Foundation is by far the best thing about working at ESPN. And, uh, again, v.org slash donate if you can make a difference in any way you can. All right, Greeny, we continue here coming to you live from the Seaport brought to you by Grey Goose. So uh, I told you a few weeks ago that when the University of Wisconsin fired, was it Paul Christ? Was their football coach? Um, that because of state laws, they had to post that job. They to post the opening. So we uh, applied for it. Uh, I thought I would make a very good football coach. It would have hurt me to coach in the Big Ten opposite, you know, in the same conference, the same division of the same conference as my alma mater, my beloved Northwestern. But for this opportunity, uh, I I thought it seemed worth giving it a try. You know, and then Jeff Saturday got hired, and I thought, hey, I got a real shot at this. And, of course, they didn't hire me. Who did they hire? Uh, Luke Fickle from Cincinnati. Luke Fickle, that's right. Luke Fickle, he's. Marginally more qualified than I am, I guess. So Luke, I'm sure we'll do a good job. You see that salary? How much did he get paid? Eight million bucks a year. Okay, so he's doing all right. Pretty good money mm-hmm. for Luke Fickle. He'll do a good job there. He's an excellent coach. He's an excellent coach. So he got that job. I didn't. That was a disappointment. But then, Bubba pointed out to me another job opening in the world of sports, for which I think I'm eminently qualified. And I think we should apply for this. So, Bubba, take center stage here if you would. What What can you tell everyone about this job that I believe I am the perfect candidate for?
5: Well, we got to see if you fit the requirements <laughs> yeah, first, but okay. we'll see.
1: This is Washington Nationals bullpen cart driver. <laughs> Washington Nationals bullpen cart driver. So, I'm driving, if I understand this correctly, I'm yep. driving the pitchers in. Like in the old days, every team had that. It was one of my favorite parts of baseball games. Was every team would like a little door would open in, in, uh, in the bullpen, and they would drive a little car down there, and the pitcher would get out. Oh, it's great. Most teams don't do that anymore, but I really miss it. I liked that, so I would love to have that job. So I mean, I'd yeah, be driving why make the pitchers walk. I, I'd be driving the relievers from the bullpen to the mound. Right? That, yep. That's the job. That seems okay. like it. What yep. are so the this qualifications?
5: Is, this is straight from the online posting. Okay. So summary. this job is posted online. Yeah. Yep. Okay. The summary. Summary. To sum up what the job is. Sum it up. The ideal candidate yeah. will have a stellar driving record uh-huh. and a knowledge of the game of baseball. So where okay. are you right there?
1: Well, so let's analyze stellar driving record. <laughs> um, it is not a secret that A, I cannot change a flat tire that in the event that the cart were to break down somewhere in short center field, (laughs) that if someone else didn't come and fix it, it will just be there forever. So I can't do that. As I once famously said to a police officer that pulled over when I was on the side of a highway in Connecticut, I said, please don't leave me here, because if you do, when you come back tomorrow, I'll still be here. So I can't do anything with that. My driving record is... Generally unblemished. I've never been in an accident. I did get a variety of speeding tickets once upon a time. And this was, I, I don't, I, I talked about this on the air. I had to go to driving school. I, I had to go, I got enough tickets that they were going to take my license away if I didn't go take like a four hour class. How many tickets? I think it was three within a certain period horrible of time. Horrible
4: class, horrible class. So, so when
1: I, when I, so I used to drive. So I lived in Westport, Connecticut. And ESPN was in Bristol, Connecticut. It's about 55 miles. I would drive myself every day of Mike and Mike for 13 years, and at that time of night, like I'm driving, it's 4.20 in the morning. I'm the only car, literally the only car on the road half the time. So if you speed at all, you're dead. You're just getting pulled over. So I was getting tickets literally for driving (laughs) like 61 in a 55, which... I get it. It's against the law. So I did have to go. But what they did tell me was that if I did that driver's class and then didn't get a ticket for enough time, that it would be expunged from my record. And then I got someone to drive me, and thus I believe it has been expunged. So as far as anyone knows, Bubba, I think my driving record is stellar. Stellar.
5: Yeah, perfect.
1: Now, what was the other thing? A working a, knowledge, a knowledge of A knowledge of the game of baseball. Yeah. Who knows more baseball than I do? I mean, at the end of the day, I'm one of the world's foremost sports experts. So I certainly think I have those two things covered. What else? All right. So now here are the actual requirements. Mm, okay. So
5: this could be a little dicey. Now, the first one I think we're covered here. Ten years of driving experience, parentheses, must be 18. Now, I'm not sure how that goes together because if you must be 18, ten years of driving experience, I guess they're assuming maybe you've been driving illegally since you were eight. I don't know. But yeah, I way, see, I have
1: a problem with that qualification for exactly the reason you just pointed out. It seems to me that you could give one or the other of those two, but why would you give both? No one who is not over the age of 18 could possibly have 10 years of driving experience, at least not legally. Specify what kind of driving. Like, they're not saying 10 so, years of... Like, when you're a kid and you have, like, a big wheel, I mean, that's not driving, right? That's like a little thing that you... It's have driving. Pedal, you. it's not driving. You can't drive a reliever in from the bullpen on that thing. What if, like,
0: a pr- prodigious NASCAR driver was... 18 and wanted this job and he's been or on tracks his whole life like he would have 10 years
1: but why if you if you were a prodigious nascar driver would you want to be the nationals bullpen cart because driver? you have
0: a knowledge
1: of the game of baseball and and an stellar, stellar, stellar driving record, record. <laughs> yeah. okay so all right i have both of those right, i am over one, 18 and i have been driving for 10 years the second requirement mm-hmm. i'm a little
5: worried about here what is it do you have the ability to open a 50 pound gate
1: quickly <laughs> That's seriously on the list of things? You have to open the gate yourself? Quickly. They actually specify quickly? Yeah. 50-pound
5: yeah. gate quickly. You have to have that. that's as aqu- a requirement. Ability to open a 50-pound gate quickly. So can you do that?
1: Well, do they define quickly? Like, what constitutes quickly opening a 50-pound gate? Before the inning ends. <laughs> Yeah, I think I could do that. I mean, how much is fifty pounds? This
0: door here, entering the studio, is really heavy. It's Really, sometimes heavy.
1: you struggle. I have to hit it with my entire body weight, and and so. But let's just say, for the sake of argument, and and that I could do that. I think I could do it. I I think depending on exactly how we're defining quickly, I'm sure there are people who could do it more quickly than I could. But I believe I could do it quickly enough. You got a game clock next year, though. Like, I'm not sure they'll be able to wait for you to be putting your whole
0: body into this
1: 50-pound door. Wouldn't that be something if Theo Epstein gets all these changes <laughs> passed and the whole thing gets screwed up in Washington because I can't open a 50-pound door fast enough for a pitcher to get to the mound in time for his warm-up tosses? Okay, um, let's just say, for the sake of this discussion, I could do that. Go ahead. All right. So then
5: they, they list three duties and responsibilities. The first one is. Is this serious, by the way?
1: Like these things are all actually <laughs> yeah, on this? Yeah, I mean, re- there I are can't duties make this up. and responsibilities. Responsibilities. Hembo was showing it to me. There are duties and responsibilities that are laid out for a bullpen cart driver. Like it, it, it doesn't go without saying what a bullpen cart driver does. It's one of those jobs that literally the job its description is in the name. False. There's more to it than you think. Yeah. Well, then right. there's that. But then you also have to ensure the
5: bullpen cart is clean and that the battery is fully charged upon arrival. <laughs> you don't think about the battery. That's a great point. If the battery's not charged, the guy's going to be stuck in the bullpen. So. so
1: I'm in charge of the cleaning of the cart and Ugh. the battery charging? Uh, yeah. Every, every day you
5: show up, you got to make sure the cart is clean and the battery is fully charged. <coughs> Can I do that? I don't know. Your <laughs> phone is always dead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's I had, really that's always. why I bought one of these, I bought one of these uh, cases that charges the phone for you. Well, I don't think the cart has that as the option for its battery. But, but it really should. Um, You're going to supply that yourself? This could be my undoing. I'm actually less worried about keeping the battery charged than I am about keeping it clean. Mm. I'm not good at... I know I'm a very clean person, but I'm not very good at cleaning things. You're going to be scuttling dirty ballplayers well, all look, over the Well, if field. these guys are spitting in the bullpen cart, someone else is cleaning up Seeds, the bullpen cart. tobacco. Yeah, that's what I'm... Just hocking. Like, these guys are disgusting. Big leak chew. I, I, I have spent much time, many hours of my life... Um, in dugouts and around dugouts in Major League ballparks. It is a disgusting place. I mean, a fully disgusting place to be. People are just spitting left and right now. It's been a long time, so I know they they don't spit as much as they used to. Like, a lot of these guys are chewing gum now instead of tobacco, which is a good thing in every way. And I think the TV... Uh, broadcast partners have done a finally have figured out that no one wants to see this. So I think they cut away before guys spit most of the time. But I'll just tell you right now, Bob, if someone is spitting in this car, I'm not the one cleaning it. That's just not what's going to happen. And right? I'll just tell you right now, someone's going to be spitting in that car. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. So this could be my undoing. I'm not sure I'm qualified to be the Washington Nationals I mean, bullpen car driver.
0: sit there and tell Nationals ownership that you
1: think all of their employees are
0: disgusting. Like, that's yes. not
1: going to get you the job. Well, but, uh, and yet it's something perhaps they need to know. <laughs> Like, I think sometimes messages need to be delivered. I'm willing to give the hard message. I mean, I'm willing to say, look, this might not be exactly what you want to hear. What's his name? Uh, the owner there? Is it who, who owns that team? Ted Leon? No, who, does Leon's the, the, learners, they're the learners, but transferring,
0: they're transferring ownership to a new group now. Like they're, they're Who's right now, a new group? They're in a transitional phase. I don't have those names. So handy. I want to
1: talk to them, right? So, so what I want to say to them is you're disgusting. Like, you're grotesque. The idea of just spitting in public all the time is something that I think as a species we should have moved past something in the neighborhood of thousands of years ago. And I'm not sure why we not only condone it, but in some cases glorify it on the Major League Baseball level. I think under no circumstance I I would like to I would like to have this cart driving job and refuse to clean up the spit as a statement. This is going to be my this is going to be my my cause, you know, like I have to stand for something in life. I'm going to stand for enough of this. But no more just, spitting in baseball. But you're just going to be then sitting in a spit filled car. No, I'm going to be sitting in a spitless car because they're going to outlaw spitting in or around the car. You think the Nationals bullpen's going to comply with your policy? I do. I, I think I'm such a, an attractive candidate for this role that I think that they will unquestionably pass rules. Is that it? No. Are there, there more
5: qualifications for this? Two more. Uh, duty, these were on the duties and responsibilities now, yeah. So okay. the, the other two, the last two ones are. Uh, pay close attention to the game. <laughs> they make that clear. So you, that's the a, whole game? Yeah, you got to pay. Pay close attention to like the game. Like every inning? I think so, because you never know when it's going to get called. So can't look at your phone. You got to be paying attention. Oh, that's trouble. So that's I mean every that's every home game too. We're talking about okay. You know, this is every single home game. Uh, I don't have a good feeling about that one. And then the last one you're, you're responsible for is return the bullpen cart to its storage space and
1: plug in the power cord <laughs> to charge it overnight. So if I'm doing that, then why am I worried about the battery? Like, it seems to me that's going to charge the battery every single night. Oh, you got to do it overnight and then check it in the morning. No, I can do that. That I can do. I'm very good at driving to a preordained place and plugging things in. That's pretty much my one quality, (laughs) my one skill when it comes to any kind of household chore. I can plug stuff in. I'm very good at that. I don't know, man. You're going to have to take a pay cut here. How much does a job pay? I think it's like 11 bucks an hour. 11 bucks an hour? Oh yeah. What I was mean, your first job? How much did you earn in your first job? Way less than that. My first job was I paid play, six fifty an hour. My I, my, my first jobs were con, ran concurrent with each other. I worked as a part time production assistant at a radio station. I made seven dollars an hour there, and then I worked as the host in a restaurant on the South Street in Chicago, and I made six fifty an hour there. And if you had twenty bucks in your pocket and you walked in on a Saturday night, no matter how crowded it was, I would seat you. Because I made six fifty an hour.
4: <laughs> that 20
1: bucks <laughs> made a big difference. All right. Good luck to Team USA this afternoon. Let's see what happens with the college football rankings tonight. And we'll see you back in Better Than Ever here tomorrow on ESPN Radio.
3: Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Or watch the show through the watch tab on the ESPN app. Also, catch Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN, and also available wherever you get your podcast.
2: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology